What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to episode number 179 of the VK Bros, also known as the first official show of 2024. Welcome to the new year with Jason and Alex Von Cannell on a Friday night this time. How are you going, Alex? Great. You I'm great? Great. great. I'm great. I'm the- about to have some really big news. Probably by next week's show, it'll be very big news, but mm-hmm. um, all that stuff that I've been working on with, I'm like moments away from finish you're about to hit the vinegar stroke happy days yeah 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 yeah. and look as usual like there's there's never a dull time for the podcast there's always a lot going on we've got heaps to get into this week uh obviously we've got the epstein document drop which i'm going to refer to it as not the client list while that everyone like i made the mistake of saying last week so that occurred uh we had the leader of hamas uh assassinated in lebanon which is a very, very interesting development. We'll see, sort of, uh, speculate on what happens from here. And a few other things to go through as well. But Alex, you had a couple of things you wanted to start with. So over to you, my friend. Well, I purposely didn't... I purposely didn't tell you about this one because you wouldn't let me put it in the show. (laughs) Good start. Here we go. Right? Uh, First of all, shout out to Jersey Jerry from Barstool Mm -hmm. who created an absolute milestone by... uh, uh, Jerry After Dark, a barstool product, um, where he uh, went on a golf simulator, live streamed it, and would not stop until he got a hole in one. And thirty six hours <laughs> straight, two thousand six hundred and twenty seven strokes, and he finally got it. So props to that. What an achievement! Uh, Jersey Jerry, I think it might have been, uh, it might have been the the hashtag. Uh, oh, I can't. No, Jersey Jerry was was trending above the Epstein list. <laughs> okay, all right. That, that's today. impressive. That's impressive. Okay. Yep. Now, uh, so while I was looking, and this this story came up, that's why I said that. So, congratulations, Jersey Jerry. It's a great all time moment of internet. Um, um, history but I also noticed Miami was trending Okay, and usually when when I see like a place in America it's usually like a sporting team's doing something cool and but no that's not what this is I'm going to show you a video Jason doesn't know anything about this we're going to start with Conspiracy Corner okay (laughs) let's go let's go go. I'll play a video I honestly do not believe the words that are about to come out of my mouth Oh, silly me before we get started. Guys, Tiki Talk, this is purely for entertainment purposes. Can you scroll down slightly? Goofing around. All things stated here are purely speculation. Just having fun. You are going to want to see this because there is a very good chance, at least for the next few days, you will not see this anywhere else but right here. And if I'm being completely honest, pause this for a second. Part of this story bugs me most. So I listened to a podcast called Conspiracy Social Club with Sam Tripoli and Brian Callum. And hot girl tiktok is where they get most of their conspiracies from so it's nice to see that we've brought hot girl tiktok to the vk bros podcast this this guy's this chick's name's auntie colette nice i wouldn't exactly call her hot it could uh, could be a trans i don't know could be here we go the fact that we actually now live in a world where something like this could happen the fact that we actually live in a world where something like this could happen but at this point none of us will even be shocked or the fact that something like this could happen in our world and not a single news media has broke this story, not at all. In fact, if you Google search it, it is quite a difficult find. 
which is all that much more suspicious with a story of this kind of size, this magnitude. And yet here we are. Hang on to your britches. It's going to get real. A couple of days in Miami, Florida at a mall, the local police were dispatched to the mall for an argument, a fight that broke out between juveniles. Juveniles, they say, had sticks and fireworks. Oh my. But ultimately the call, what they claim was the call, the reason for the police officers to arrive at the scene, was due to a fight that had broken out between juveniles who had sticks and fireworks. But Auntie, why do you care if that's on the news? That isn't a big deal. No, my friend, no, no, it's not. It is definitely not that big of a deal. I agree with you. And it is definitely, definitely, hands down, not a big enough deal for the local Miami Police Department to show up on the scene just like this. Right? That seems like a lot of officers to show up. Pause but it. My friends, that is not anywhere near. I'm not surprised. What color were these kids? You know. If they were the right color, I'm not surprised about the police response at all. So for audio listeners, the highways were closed and a constant stream of police cars on both sides of the highways are heading to the scene. Think um, the amount of police on the roads circa Melbourne lockdown 2021. Yeah. Yeah. Something similar. All that came. And once you understand and you hear the eyewitnesses' stories, I believe you will at that point understand a little bit better as to why so many police officers, probably 100, along with choppers, black choppers from the PD, patrolling the scene from above. And according to witnesses, eyewitnesses there, the Miami police was not dispatched there for a juvenile fight. And the obvious need for such an enormous police presence was far more sinister than what we've been told. As multiple witnesses claimed to have seen, I can't believe I'm going to say this, creatures that stood eight to 10 feet tall, walking outside and even inside of the mall. And the (laughs) pew-pews that were reported, and even the pew-pews you might hear in some of the videos, had nothing to do with the juvenile fight. According to these witnesses, it was actually the mall goers shooting to protect themselves from these eight to 10 foot tall creatures in self-defense. Okay, I'm not gonna go through the rest of the video because, because, because apparently, apparently, so the story goes, the government shut down all the police scanners, shut down 61,000 homes for power mm-hmm. so that no one could talk about the aliens that had attacked the mall at, in Miami. So Miami and then Miami aliens was trending on Twitter. So hold on. So when did this happen? Was this like today? Yesterday. yesterday. Yeah. So on the same day that the Epstein documents were released... Ooh. I didn't even make that connection. So you want to go to Conspiracy Corner. On the same day that the Epstein documents were released, uh, they're now talking about eight-foot aliens at a Miami shopping mall, which was called into the police as two kids with sticks and fireworks. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. And now, I'll tell you why I don't believe this story. (laughs) Now, again, I want to believe. Okay? So I want to believe. Because the truth is out there. But I saw one of these eyewitness accounts, and it's this black guy who's like, "Yo, man, like I was just like, like running, uh, running through there, and I, I like seen them big things, man." And then um, he's like, "No, I knew something was wrong because I, I, I seen people running, fat chicks, old <laughs> chicks, just running, and you never see fat chicks running." And I was like, "Okay, this is a bit. He's doing a bit, like." And then, oh, oh, no one's thinking about their phones. No one's thinking about their phones when um, 
uh, that's why there's no footage of it because everyone was just trying to look after themselves. So no, no, I don't you would remember that. back when we were in primary school. I, I know I was in primary school. I'm not sure if you were out yet and in high school, but when the Blair Witch Project came out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And remember the viral marketing that came out? Because that was like really, really early internet days, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so for any any of you who aren't aware of the movie, The Blair Witch Project was a horror movie that came out in the, it would have been the 90s, late 90s, um, about a group of kids that go into the forest and they're supposed to be haunted or some shit. I can't remember the actual storyline. But the unique thing at the time about this particular movie was that it was all filmed on like a camcorder and they basically had this full-on viral marketing uh push which essentially made at least me at the time i'm a primary school kid we all thought it was real and then the movie got released and it had like massive ratings and it did extremely well could this be something similar because again let's let's put our conspiracy hats on uh hollywood's dying I just saw a clip today talking about some new uh, Disney movie that I hadn't even heard of yep. that cost them $200 million to make and it made $15 million in the first five days. Yeah, so think of think of how out of balance now um, the costs of production, because you got to think, inflation's affected every industry, right? Like, it was already really expensive to make movies five years ago then add inflation on top now it must be astronomical and you got to think too a lot of big film studios borrow money to create these films like it's not just they don't pay cash for them they borrow money and then pay it well, back well they usually so, go to a studio a studio will do a, a, an agreement with them yeah of course but again a, a studio is going to run it like a business they're probably going to borrow the money as well whether it's from investors or, or whatever but obviously interest rates have gone through the roof so your cost of production are absolutely massive and where most movie studios made their money back was in cinemas. And the cinemas sort of died during COVID. Like, during COVID, they shut them all, and then everyone just started streaming stuff. And I think a lot of people haven't gone back to those traditional cinema experiences. So these studios are dying. Now, <clears throat> Hollywood also, to be conspiratorial, has been very uh, effective, an effective tool for the western governments particularly the governments of america to push narratives to the people sure. in subversive ways through cinema yep 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 would it would it be a a too too far a leap of faith to wonder whether or not this is some sort of government and movie studio viral marketing deal that they have organized between themselves because you've got some big blockbuster coming up which might be the second movie produced by the obamas maybe maybe i i mean i'm not there yet i look i am there could it be a epstein list version i'm i'm, I'm there <laughs> yep um could it be a viral marketing campaign for an upcoming movie it could i'm not necessarily sure about the psyop Mm -hmm. what, what's really interesting is that uh, normally when we, when we record this show I'm home alone whereas now because of some work commitments for, for both of us we're having to do it at night time whilst my kids are asleep and also while my wife is within hearing distance and me coming into this part of the show completely blind 
I can only imagine what's going through her head with the one side of the conversation she's currently listening to because she can't hear any of the other context on the other side. So, uh, yeah, this is a fun start to the show, Alex. What have you found? You're looking at something. Yeah, it looked like Dan Bongino had commented on it. He lives in Florida. He, But I, I, I'm just trying to go to... Com- went to his page to confirm it because he said that he saw something hovering in the sky expelling some gas and I can't find it on his page. So it's probably <laughs> fake. <laughs> so, all right, guys, put it in the comments below. Do your research. So, so conspiracies are fun, right? They They're are. fun, but... Don't you've got to you've got to you know, click a few more times. You've got to get a little bit of consensus. You got to go and, and check with Dan Bongino. <laughs> I mean, Jason looks like he's been abducted by aliens at the moment because it's so dark in his room yeah. right now. Yeah. So no, I thought that was a bit of a. I've a also a got um, a large lump on my head. I don't know if you can see. I smashed my head at work, so it looks like I have been hit over the head and abducted by aliens. <laughs> There you go. And all, all, right, that, and all that jazz that comes with it. Um, guys, put it in the comments below. What do you think these eight to nine foot creatures were that were in the mall? Were they just... The Miami aliens? Or... Were they members of the Miami Heat? Yeah. Just out of their uh, jersey so people couldn't There's recognize who they were? Foot tall, eight foot tall monsters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe Space Jam 3 is coming out starring yeah, Jimmy yeah, Butler. Yeah. There you go. All right. Have you got anything, any other curveballs you want to throw at me? Not yet. All right. Let, can we go to Epstein? We can go to Epstein. Let's go to Epstein. So, as a bit of a precursor to this, I put a post up on Instagram a few days ago uh, on on New Year's Eve saying, happy Epstein client list Eve, everyone. Well, let's see what happens because obviously a judge had ruled to unseal some documents. Now, I made the mistake that so many other... Uh, I was about to call myself an influencer. So many other podcast... Uh, personalities and people covering this story have made in that we were all calling it the Epstein client list. It was not in fact the Epstein client list. It was, they just unsealed all of the names in the depositions of um, the case between one of Epstein's victims and Ghislaine Maxwell back in 2015. Yes, yeah. So, just before we read this article, I I actually listened to a fair bit of um, information on this today, and a a lot of the sources that I was listening to were calling it a nothing burger, they were saying that a lot of the information that was released we already knew, Um, and to a large degree that is correct, and so... Basically, the uh, left side of American politics was like to was just trying to play it off like it was no big deal. They were also trying to say that Trump's name was mentioned in the documents. Trump's name was mentioned in the documents. <clears throat> Trump's name was only mentioned like twice in the documents, and it was literally someone um, who was deposing one of the witnesses asking if they knew if Trump had any connection to it, and the person said no. So, a few people, a few celebrities had that too. They're yeah. like. Um... That's right. Uh, was Cameron Diaz there? Was um, uh, uh, Cameron Diaz and Leonardo DiCaprio there? And they're like, no. Yeah. But so, it's not like someone just wanted to throw the names out it, there. Exactly. And yeah. um, I mentioned to you earlier in the day, I listened to Breaking Point's coverage on this today. And Saga was away, which I thought was very unbalanced for this particular show. But they had... Um, He's Chris... covering the real news in Miami. <laughs> yeah. Well, it could have been him in a suit. Yeah. Um, but they had Crystal and uh, Ryan Grimm, I think is his name, who's a very, very pro-Democrat 
uh, person. Also, and, also uh, probably an acting CIA operative. Oh yeah, that there's one hundred percent money flowing his way to push certain narratives. But what I found particularly gross about their reporting of the story was they literally at the beginning of their coverage mentioned some of the names like Bill Clinton. Uh, and they particularly mentioned Trump, and then they used it as bait to keep you for the whole story. And then at the end of it, they were like, oh, yeah, but the documents actually say that they just asked if Trump was there or involved, and the person said no. Oh, but let's not let him off the hook because of this. And they like literally were just trying to bring him into it to yeah. muddy, muddy the waters because Bill Clinton's been named in it like 50 times, and that looks pretty bad if you're a, a fan of Team Blue. But <clears throat> Michael Schellenberger did some reporting on this, and I thought that... His was probably the most balanced, but also maybe gives one of the more important perspectives on what information is actually contained inside the documents. So can you just, yeah, scroll down. That next tweet, I think, has got the whole story. If you hit show more. So uh, here we go. So the release of new court documents from a lawsuit related to Jeffrey Epstein yesterday, in quotes, provided little, if any, new fodder for conspiracy theorists who remain fixated on Mr. Epstein's dealings more than four years after his death, end quote, according to the New York Times. The documents, the Times claimed, reinforced what the public already knew, namely that pedophile financier Epstein and his associate, uh, uh, associate Giz, <laughs> Ghislaine Maxwell... Uh, made young and often underage women available for sex to powerful men. Now, just to, to put the warning out there for anyone who might be a little bit sensitive, obviously this this story is about pedophilia. If that is something that is a sensitive subject for you, I would encourage you to maybe try to skip through this section. Uh, and because I will be making jokes about this. <laughs> yeah, well, look, hey, everything is... Where I'll be doing... I've got impersonations <laughs> in, in the belt. Nice. Uh, we operate off the South Park principle. Everything is... You either laugh at everything or you can't laugh at anything. Bingo. <clears throat> in fact, the documents offer new evidence and insight into how Epstein and Maxwell appeared to be blackmailing powerful individuals, albeit to mysterious ends. A judge ordered the release of the court documents, which were from a, court, a case brought by Epstein victim Virginia Giffray against Maxwell in 2015. The party settled in 2017. Maxwell is currently serving a 20-year prison sentence. It's true that some of the information released yesterday had already come to light. Last April, for example, the Wall Street Journal reported that the current director of the CIA, William Burns, had scheduled three meetings with Epstein in 2014. At the time, Burns was Deputy Secu uh, Secretary of State. According to the journal, they met in Washington, D.C. and at Epstein's townhouse in Manhattan. The journal based its reporting on Epstein's own emails and schedules. Uh, in 2019, reporter Vicky Ward for the Daily Beast wrote a story about the Justice Department's 2007, in quotes, non-prosecution agreement with Epstein. Where others might have gone to prison for similar crimes, Epstein made a deal with the U.S. Attorney's Office and avoided federal prosecution for sexually abusing young girls by pleading guilty to state prostitution charges in Florida. Under this agreement, Epstein avoided a potential life sentence and served only 13 months in a work release program. So just, just a note, because he didn't really harp on it. Um, remember, those meetings that William Burns had with him was in 2014. This is years after he was a convicted sex offender. Yeah. Okay? Uh, that same... Oh, sorry. Uh, that same year, another of Epstein's victims alleged that he had cameras in his house to monitor people. That claim lent further credence to the theory that Epstein was collecting compromising material on influential figures. 
But the newly unsealed documents include powerful new evidence that Epstein and Maxwell were deliberately blackmailing people. Johanna, is it Joburg? With a silent S? I'm not sure. So apologies to Joanna uh, for saying her name wrong. Uh, another one of Epstein's victims recounted that he and Maxwell had created a Prince Andrew puppet for Prince Andrew. They presented it to him and used it to guide him into taking sexual photos with Joburg and Gaffrey. Uh, in quotes, they put the puppet on Virginia's lap, Joburg uh, testified, and I sat on Andrew's lap and they put the puppet's hand on Virginia's breast and Andrew put his hand on my breast and they took a photo. It is a remarkable passage uh, since Maxwell and Epstein appear to be engaged in a kind of psychological operation, framing Andrew to himself as their puppet. Maxwell and Epstein apparently played it off as a joke to Andrew, and he played along, copying his puppet's behaviour and groping Joburg. Epstein's sex blackmailing also required coercion. Joburg testified that Maxwell directed her to have sex with Prince Andrew. Another filing alleges that Jane Doe number three was, in quotes, forced to have sexual relations with this prince when she was a minor in three separate geographical locations, end quote. So, clearly, the not only is it implicating that it's sex with a minor, but in three different geographical locations means... Um, sex tra trafficking. Sex trafficking, that's right. Yeah. And that Epstein told her to, in quotes, give the prince whatever he demanded and required Jane Doe number three to report back to him on the details of the sexual abuse, end quote. So... Jane Doe and John Doe's, just for the record, are the code names given to a lot of the redacted names in the documents. <clears throat> uh, Joanna Joburg, one of Epstein's victims, said Epstein told uh, her that former President Bill Clinton likes them young, referring to girls. Wait, you skipped a... Uh... You skipped a oh, sorry, I did too. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. The, the court documents. Yeah, also the court documents also contain allegations against billionaires Glenn Dubin and Tom Pritzker. Pritzker currently serves as the CEO of the Pritzker organization and as executive chairman of the Hyatt Hotels Corporation, and as a member of the Aspen Institute. Uh, Gaffrey alleges that she had sex with both Dubin and Pritzker under the direction of Maxwell and Epstein. Uh, Joanna Joburg, one of Epstein's victims, said Epstein told her that former President Bill Clinton likes them young, referring to girls. White House visitor logs show that Epstein had visited the White House 17 times while Clinton was president, often accompanied by attractive young women. Now, <clears throat> just as a bit of a side note on that, because I don't think he mentions it in the story, uh, it's quite famously known that in Jeffrey Epstein's apartment, he had a painting of Bill Clinton sitting on a couch with his feet up, wearing high heel, like red high heels, and a blue dress. And... It's often speculated that's just a massive power play against Bill Clinton. Like, literally... To go and say, like, the most powerful man in the world... Yep. ...being Bill Clinton is has no power in Epstein's house. Exactly. It's and kind of how... Like, who's the real boss? And it's literally like it was on the wall. As soon as you walk in the front door, it's the first thing that you see in his house. Yeah. So it's just, it's just that alpha-dogging sort of symbol. Harvard Law Professor Alan Dershowitz is also named by Epstein's house manager who stated that Dershowitz was at Epstein's home in Florida pretty often and received massages there. Dershowitz has repeatedly denied allegations of misconduct in connection to Epstein and Maxwell. Other individuals included magician David Copperfield. Or they David. got him in. They got him in to try and make the girls legal. <laughs> David Copperfield. Yeah. Uh, celebrity hairstylist... Now, sorry, I can't make jokes like that. Please be aware, all of these are just allegations at this point, and 
none of this stuff has been proven in a court of law. So make all your jokes, but these people are innocent until proven guilty. Uh, just to be aware. So celebrity hairstylist Frederick Fekai, deceased former New Mexico governor Bill Richardson, and former president Donald Trump. Trump appears in a document in which Epstein allegedly said he invited Trump to meet him at a casino. In another document, a witness states that she did not see Trump in Epstein's home. The Epstein scandal has implicated many powerful people. Melinda Gates told reporters last year that her husband Bill's connections to Epstein had been part of the reason for her decision to seek a divorce from him. In quotes, I did not like that he'd had meetings with Jeffrey Epstein. No, uh, she told Gail King. Bill Gates said Epstein tried to blackmail him. In quotes, Mr. Gates met with Epstein solely for philanthropic purposes. Having failed repeatedly to draw Mr. Gates beyond these matters, Epstein tried unsuccessfully to leverage a past relationship to threaten Mr. Gates. End quote. A spokeswoman for Gates told the Wall Street Journal last year. Because the big, the big issue with the Gates story was that Gates did most of his meetings with him after... Yes. He was acute... Uh, he was... He was convicted uh, of was convicted child of, sex. Yeah. Yeah, so when when everyone knew he was a bad man, Bill Gates was still seeing him. And it was like something like 53 times. That's right. And the interesting thing about these court documents is that Bill Gates' name is not mentioned. However, there is there are at least one name, if not a few names, which they have... Oh, that's another famous photo if you want to scroll up to that one. Um... There are still some names that have been sealed until like the 22nd of January. And a lot of people are speculating that if fucking Bill Clinton's been named, and who could potentially be more powerful than Bill Clinton to have their name sealed until that time? On the one hand, it could be potential victims of Epstein's that don't want to, um, you know, have themselves outed sure. at this point. But on the other hand, some people are speculating that it could be someone like a Bill Gates type character who we all know was linked to Epstein. There's that famous clip of uh, when, I can't remember who he was being interviewed by, but she asked a question about his ties to Epstein and he just says, yeah, well, he's dead. So, like, we, I think we've played that clip on the show yeah. before. Yeah. Um, can you go back to, to X, sorry, can you just show that other picture of George Bush? So, this here, this is another painting that was in Epstein's home and... If you look at the painting, it's of George Bush, and sorry for audio listeners, it's of George Bush sitting in the Oval Office on the floor holding a paper plane while there are two piles of uh, like Jenga pieces in rubble in front of him and one of the piles has a paper plane sitting on top of it. We all know what that's about. Yeah, so... <clears throat> why, like, what, what, where do we... What do we take out of this? Uh... The Epstein case is extremely important and it's one of these things just like COVID that we should just, we, we can't just let this go because essentially what it looks like is uh, Epstein had very, very powerful ties to a lot of rich, powerful people in the West, but there is a lot of uh, conjecture that he was actually a, an agent working for Mossad and essentially his job was to collect compromising material on powerful people so then they could be controlled and coerced into doing things that whatever his boss wanted them to do. Compromat. Compromat, exactly. That's that's yeah. literally the terminology for it. Um, but the thing that everyone... And I, I, I want to paint like a little bit of a... Like, go, yeah, people go might not care. They might think it's, it's too big or too grand a story to, to care about. 
But it could be argued, it could be argued that that's the reason why we seem to be irrationally on Israel's side. Yeah, agreed. In this war that's going on now. Agreed, yeah. So what if these people, what if these warmongers in, in the US, what if it's not really their idea to do this? What if it's literally because they've been compromised mm-hmm. by Israeli intelligence to force America's hand in and in, in sending our men and women to fight? Like, yeah. that's why this kind of stuff is important. You need to know this stuff. Absolutely. And there was actually, there was a really interesting conversation on Breaking Points today with, it was a, a professor from somewhere, but in speaking about particularly Biden's response to the Israel-Palestine uh, or Israel-Hamas conflict, and essentially saying, like, asking the question, because... What has Biden got to gain and got to lose out of the decisions that he's making? Because, so Biden sort of has flip-flopped on a lot of these things. So he obviously offers a lot of support to Israel uh, verbally, but also in, I think they've sent like 10 tons of weaponry and ammunition to Israel so far. Uh, They've just offered, I think, another $10 billion worth of military aid to Israel. So, but also on the flip side, um, he's made public speeches coming out saying that they don't support Israel's uh, indiscriminate bombing of Gaza, which indiscriminate bombing is actually a war crime. If if you are not using, if if you're not using targeted strikes in an area that's filled with civilians, it's actually classified as a war crime. So, like you can't have it both ways, Biden. You can't supply him with the weapons that you're then accusing him of indiscriminately bombing civilians with, right? Yeah. But so what? What the question that was asked was, what what is so important to Biden to gain? out of supporting the this ongoing conflict in Israel that he is willing to lose like the public is the American public widely is against this conflict and if you've seen any of the um, you know pro-Palestine protests in America we get them in Australia as well but obviously speaking about Biden uh, there's a lot of, of anti just anti-war sentiment everyone's well, anti both sides heaps of it heaps yeah, yeah. Absolutely, but as we as we mentioned um, a little while ago on the podcast, this is that first conflict that's now really got um, they they've sort of run up against a problem with demographics because mm, obviously there's far more Arabs in America than there are Jews. So when it comes to having a supporter voting base, you want to keep the most people happy, so they vote you back in next time. But also. Um, young people are far and away against wars of on all fronts. They, they don't mm. want any more to do with the Ukraine-Russia uh, conflict. They don't want to further inflame these tensions. There's obviously there's all these talks now of America getting into a conflict with Iran. Obviously, no young people want that to happen. Just as an interesting aside, I posted up something during the week about the US national debt, which we've covered on the show before. They just hit $34 trillion. So remember when we mentioned how they didn't raise the debt ceiling, they just agreed to have no debt ceiling for, what was it, two years? Uh, in the last 100 days, the American government has added $1 trillion to their debt. In $1,000 billion. Yeah, $1,000 billion to their debt in 100 days. Yeah. And, and are sending 
military aid to multiple countries and multiple conflicts all over the world. So you are losing the voters. You are like potentially, uh, I mean, the left wing politics, they're they're supposed to be the people of love and caring for people and anti-war people. Like you literally, so, so in other words, why is he torpedoing his own political career? What's in it for him for this to happen? And the only thing that really I can think of that makes sense is it's just an extension of what they were doing in Ukraine. All these politicians are all invested in the military-industrial complex. They've they found another war. Happy days. We can now justify the spending of public money on to American war uh, uh, military manufacturers. Send that stuff over there so it looks like we're doing it out of aid because we're good people aiding the people of Israel. But they're all just making bank on the way through. It's the only thing I And you've got really Congress people going and investing in war stocks. Yeah, uh, exactly. They're all like personally benefiting from it. We should be outraged. We should, like, no more wars. No more. Yeah, and the, the the crazy thing for me too, and I would be livid if I was an American in particular, because it's not as bad over here as it is over there. The majority of the key decision makers in American po- politics are over 80 years old. Mm. So Biden, he's, what, 82 years old, I think he is? Um you had Nancy Pelosi, who was the Speaker of the House. For how... No, he's not 80. He's not 80. He must be in his 70s. No, no, Trump... no, no. He's... Isn't Trump going to be older? No, Trump's younger than him. Are I you believe sure? I believe Biden's already like 82 or something like that. Let me have a look. Biden age. <clears throat> he's 81 years old. Yeah, okay. So born on the 20th of November, 1942. When he was born, World War II wasn't finished for another three years. Yeah. Right, that's so how old I... he is. But no, sorry, let me finish that point. So, so he's over eighty. Pelosi's over eighty. Um, Chuck Schumer's getting up there. I don't think he's anywhere near that that sort of age, though. But, but this is the thing: you've literally charged people with the decisions over whether or not to go to war, and you've given that decision-making ability to people who literally have zero future. Yeah. Why would they give a fuck? Like yeah. they're about to die. They're literally on death's door. And they have the decision to then go and uh, basically decide how many people die in another part of the world, whether it's your own people or the, just the native people of those places when you're sending all the weapons over there. Like, so it's this crazy got me thinking, me. I was talking to, and I think we've played it on the show before, have we played the John Howard speech in, in Parliament where he was talking about us entering the Iraq war? And I then don't think we've played it. No. Superimposed with the Canadian minister reading the exact same speech mm. to get Canada into the war. Yeah, no, we haven't played that on the show. Do you want me to find it? See if you can. Now, the reason why that's important is because, oh, and something when I was doing some research on that, I didn't really I remember. I've said on the show before, I was going to join. I was yeah. 17 years old and I was going to enlist in the Air Force to fight in Iraq because I was wet, caught up in it. I wanted to do it. Yeah. I never remember seeing one protest and yet when I went and actually researched it, there were huge protests in Brisbane. Huge. Right. And okay. I don't remember it. Yeah. Which means they probably didn't cover it at the time. Yep. Exactly. Now, um, let's see if I can find here. Now, if... if why this is important is 
what if these aren't decided by these people? And this is like mm. what I'm trying to say is, what if it's not Biden's choice? Yeah. To essentially, what you're saying is, what if it's someone like Epstein's boss who's making the decisions? But because Epstein has managed to get compromat on all of these key figures, they're forced to go along with whatever the plan is. Yeah, here we go. So uh, it, it's pretty short. So it's two prime ministers, one speech on the Iraq war. Cool. It says the world, the world is, is governed by very different p- personages from what is imagined by those who are not behind the scenes. Benjamin Disraeli, first British PM. was a dangerous aggressor in the interest of world peace and regional hold on let me let me find one this let me find one that's not got the matrix music on yeah it. that's a bit annoying yeah that was really annoying uh, which is also a really dumb way to do those movies on youtube because you're just going to get yourself a copyright flag and lose any revenue that you might have made out of it anyway yes but yeah while alex tries to find that so essentially what we're saying is this like uh, obviously the Epstein Ghislaine Maxwell so Ghislaine, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell's father Robert Maxwell he was um, a high level uh, operative in I don't know if he was CIA I can't remember but in other words he was an intelligent a, a intelligence officer so it would not be out of this world to think that uh, Ghislaine and Epstein were engaged in essentially some high level uh, compromising of elite key figures so that they could then be controlled and someone made an interesting point actually on a podcast I was listening to yesterday this is kind of a funny thought to think of is they said that um, they don't think anyone under the age of like 50 would actually be able to get elected in American politics at the moment because every single person who runs for office has probably got dick pics or something like that that will get released so that's going to be the next wave of things that we're going to see is what mistakes people made when social media first came out or chat or whatever that stuff will all bubble to the surface because this has always been the way that they have traditionally controlled people to either prevent people from getting into positions of power in the first place or controlling them once they get there and it appears that epstein was involved in one of the largest uh versions of this now Again, why is this important? It means that you can't actually just believe what your politicians tell you when it comes to us getting involved in conflicts where people will die in a far-off land. You just you just can't because we get tricked into these things using some sort of emotional call to arms every single time and then always, uh, once the dust settles and it's in, in history's rearview mirror, we look back and we go, oh, actually, that was... A complete falsehood what they what they tricked us into this thing with that's what i whinged about last week that that we're going to unseal these documents that talked about us australia entering to the iraq war oh because there's, there's things that well we, we probably if we'd known that now we probably would have changed our tune well f- fuck that like like so we know that this happens every time yep. every single time it happens yep always for for the, for the wrong reason yeah you know look look at vietnam right do you know why america went to war with vietnam it was well it was based on a lie in the first thing it was the gulf of tonkin attack which was a false flag but well that but the real like the the underlying the undertone that they wanted to try and fight 
was communism. They were worried that there was a threat of a communist movement spreading across the world. That's mm-hmm. why they wanted to get rid of it. And, like, win hearts and minds, yeah. you know, by, by, by having the best culture. America did, does have the best culture. It's the most powerfully, most culturally sound um, empire mm-hmm. in the world. But so we, we now have to be, like, we have to get over the fact and we have to get smarter as a civilization to not accept war anymore. Now, you've, you've brought me to an interesting part of Conspiracy Corner because this is all playing into a few of the themes that we've been discussing on the podcast over the last few months. I think you're right. I think your story about when September 11 happened, that made you want to enlist in the military and go and fight for your country and fight against the war on terror... I think that was a very real thing that was very well felt by people of our age when that happened because we were young men who that's that's what happens to young men like generally like radicals or people who fight wars that's something that people in their late teens and early to mid 20s do and usually you age out of it by your 30s 35 because you lose that fire or you have a family and your priorities change or whatever the case may be I don't think that people in the west are having the same response to these things anymore so instead of instead of having uh, some sort of attack and then our government goes we need to fight for democracy instead of all of us going yeah all of us are going hold on a second what are we fucking fighting for no this thing is over this war is over the exact same thing every war is over it's over power and natural resources like that's what this is all about and that's so that's the reaction that people are having because we live in the information age and people, young people, we say it all the time, they're way smarter than we give them credit for. Yeah. So yes, they do some dumb emotional shit, but they've also grown up in the information age too. So they know how every single conflict that started in the past that we've been tricked into getting into, we were conned based on lies to get us to go and further some ulterior motive overseas. So why do you think they want to uh, give people licenses for the internet? Well, that's part of it. But here's the other thing. This gets into replacement theory. This, I believe, is one of the reasons why you're seeing mass immigration being allowed to happen into Western countries. Because you take the poor, displaced people from the countries that you, the West, has gone and fucked up, you move them into the West, promising them a better life, they become your next soldiers. Yeah, and voters. And and voters, yes. Yeah, I cop that, for but sure. But I think yep. they... And again, I think it, w- it would not surprise me at all because I know the Australian military and the Australian police have had me- like huge troubles with recruitment over the last few years. America's experiencing the same thing. I haven't heard anything out of the UK, but they've also got the 77th Brigade, so I don't think you'll hear anything out of the UK in regards to this, but I'm sure they're experiencing the exact same issues. But I guarantee you people will be offered to fast-track their um, citizenship if they enlist in the military and serve, and yeah. they become your next army. Yeah, I, I, I cop that. I agree with that. I think that's absolutely what it is. Um, uh, you know, could it also be argued that the high inflation rates might help supercharge the need for more more oh okay can i pivot slightly yeah yeah. because it's kind of in in the same vein Mm -hmm. do we talk about tent cities in brisbane uh yes i think you mentioned it 
whilst talking to one of my young friends, right? And he's mm-hmm. starting to he's starting to learn how the world works. How old like, is this yeah, gentleman? Twenty three. Okay. Yep. And he's like, Yeah, it's I walk past him, it's so sad. And I said, You shouldn't be sad. I said, You should be furious. Mm. And I'm like, and you should be furious at the government that caused it. Yeah. By printing what did Australia do? Fifty percent of it? it was Scomo. Scomo did fifty percent yeah. of the of this uh, money supply in two years, which which sends asset prices through the roof. Yep. There are places available. There's heaps of places available. They're just really expensive. Mm-hmm. So the fiscal policy that you have seen with your own eyes, right? With your own eyes, you you there were no tent cities there before. Yeah, there is now because they made that decision to do yes. that. So when we go back. So this is that now people are going to blame COVID, right? And and I've spoken to other people about that this exact topic, and they've said, oh yeah, but um, they had to give us money because mm. they shut the businesses down. Like, well, hold on, <laughs> they didn't have to shut the businesses down, did mm-hmm. they? And if you had known that the result of shutting the businesses down was going to force people to live in tents on the street, would you still feel that way? Would you still do it? Mm. And none of them actually, none of them agree, like, none of them, they hadn't thought of it that way before. Yeah, because when these decisions were made, they were emotionally manipulated into a mindset that didn't even allow them to consider those uh, outcomes. Yeah, yeah. Because, again, we, we got tricked. And, like, you What's right. more dangerous, Jason? What's more ja- dangerous? The, uh, the cold and flu or the, the Wuhan flu or living in a tent under a bridge yeah living in a tent under a bridge uh, a million percent because if there is a Wuhan flu that's out you're probably going to get it from the hobo who you're sucking off for a dollar to go and buy food it's um, it's wild and yeah. and for him he has not seen a shift in uh, an economic shift I guess you want, want to call it he's yeah. not experienced a downturn but it's not what's worse about this one is that it's not a downturn for the rich. It's an upturn for the rich. That's right. They've made and money it, out of this. When I was talking to a guy who, he's he's got heaps of property, he even admitted, he's like, it's gross that I have benefited so much from this. Yeah. And the disparity between rich and poor has just gone bang. Yeah. Like, has just separated yep. so much more. Whereas if that didn't happen, sure, he still would be richer than them. Yeah. But at least they'd still have a fucking roof over their head. Exactly. And so, okay, so I've, I'm putting the full tinfoil hat on now. Um, we we mentioned at the time when all, like when COVID was in full swing, like 2020 and then 2021, we had the lockdowns. And then uh, obviously the ScoMo's government brought in things like JobKeeper and JobSeeker. And we said it at the time. Like, all that money, all that stimulus money finds its way to big business. Because JobKeeper, they literally just paid to big business. And the idea was to retain staff. But there was zero caveats in it that if you... So you qualified based on if you were going to have a downturn in your revenue or turnover by more than 50% or whatever it was. And this is all just on, again, basically models, right? Modeling your own um, potential financial outcomes. So there was a few different criteria that you could qualify for. Anyway... Um, once you had qualified, they just paid you the money and there was no caveat in that that you had to pay it back if your outcomes turned out to be better. Now, just from a personal experience, I get the childcare subsidy. 
and the childcare subsidy is based on how much your income is. And you have to tell Centrelink, this is how much income I expect my family will make in the next 12 months. And then at the end of the financial year, they do a thing called balancing. So when you do your tax return, they find out exactly how much money you made. And if you made less, they would end up actually paying you a little bit of the extra childcare subsidy back that they owed you. Or if you made more, you had to pay back the money that they overpaid you. So that's me as a small chump change. Like it's, it is nothing compared to certain companies got paid like a hundred million dollars in JobKeeper and then still made bucket loads of profit. So we said at the time, we're like, so that money goes to the big end of town. And then JobSeeker, that was uh, basically the dole payment that they doubled for a period of time, at the same time that they said that you didn't have to pay your rent and you didn't have to pay your mortgage, which again, who does that affect? That affects the average Joe Blow investor who might have their own house and an investment property, right? Because you're not receiving rent, you're not receiving, uh, so, so the ability to pay your mortgage, and you might go, oh yeah, but you can freeze your mortgage, you don't have to pay that mortgage either. Yeah, but the interest is still accruing. So yeah, the bank's yeah. won out of that one. Cool. Right? And then all of that additional money that you've now put in the hands of, sorry to say, but poor people who everyone knows that poor people are poor for a reason because they're shit with money because they spend it all and they don't live within their means, well, that money all finds its way back to the big end of town anyway because that's where it ends up when it gets spent. Yeah. So we said it at the time that this was the biggest wealth transfer in history. And that's exactly what's happened. But we were massively criticized at the time for saying it. And you'd still get criticized for saying it now because like you said, the sentiment was, oh, like now everyone goes back and tries to make excuses for the government. Oh, they they were doing their best. They didn't know. They were doing the best with the information they had. That's the excuse. And it's bullshit. And it is absolute bullshit. Because at the end of the day, we were doing our best to analyze the information with the information that we had. And in hindsight, the information that we were given was far less than what the government had access to. They were hiding half the information, yeah. right? But we still made the correct decisions. So in other words, like this was a perfect example of making hay while the sun shines. Never let a good crisis go to waste. We've got this COVID thing. Hey, all of those big money donors, we've got a plan for you. It's an opportunity to put money in your pockets and, uh, and we look like we're the good guys at the same time. It was a win-win situation. And it was sold to you by the media, who, as we reported on the show before, got a 100% tax offset over two years for pushing the COVID narrative from the government. Yeah, it was $180 million. Uh, I think it was $140 million over, over two years. Two. So, so zero tax was needed to be paid by the media. Because instead of the government going to them and going, hey, media, can you sell our COVID narrative for us? where there's a paper trail asking for advertising. No, they did it the other way around. You sell it up front and we'll make sure you don't have to pay any tax for the two years. Which, Stop again, <clears throat> again, what was the excuse for the media not having to pay tax? Do you oh, remember? yeah, because no one would be watching it. Yeah, oh, because there was not going to be any ad revenue because people weren't watching TV. You lo- you're locked in your fucking house. What else yeah. did you have to do? Everyone tuned in for the morning COVID fucking, like when the premiers got up and told you how many people died the day before. Like, um, he, here's another symptom of high inflation. High inflation can actually help reduce the burden of national debt in many ways. First, inflation can erode the value of the debt over time, make it easier to pay off. Additionally, inflation can increase the nominal value of GDP, which can help the government generate more revenue to pay off debts. Because you move the number up, yeah. 
So our, if our GDP was 30,000 bucks before, now it's 45,000. Yeah. Right? So we look better. The, yeah, so... Better, but it's, the, it's the fact that... So in small dollars, let's say you owe $10,000. If you then deflate your currency by double, will you get to pay that $10,000 off with money that's only worth $5,000? So yeah, it basically cheapens the debt. So you're right, the government gets to win again. Um, But here's the other thing too, and and this is is something that I've, I've been thinking about a lot lately, especially with things like, you know, the climate crisis. That's, that's another big element to this as well. All of these things that we're talking about are all inherently anti-human being sold to you as the right thing to do for humanity. So war is anti-human. It's literally the definition of anti-human. Go to a different country and kill other human beings in that country. Yeah. Right? That's an anti-human thing to do. Um, the, the economy and inflation crisis that we are experiencing right now is an anti-human thing to do. The number one people that are affected by the inflation crisis right now are the people who are least able to cope with it. They're the poor people. So all the feelings people claim to care about the poor people. Yeah. But you, yeah. if you don't care about inflation, then you don't fucking care about poor people because people will be dying right now. More people will die from the inflation crisis than, than who died from COVID. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And you will see this reflected in, like, we thought the suicide numbers during COVID were bad. I guarantee they're worse this year. Well, and there's usually, like, a two-year lag. Yeah, some, something like that. Yeah. But I guarantee you they're worse now. Yeah. And if this keeps getting worse, it'll be worse next year. Because as people struggle to pay, to, to make ends meet, they start to wonder, what is the fucking point? Because I don't see a light at the end of this tunnel. Um, Isn't it Tupac that said it? He's like, there's only so many times a poor person who hasn't eaten can look at someone who's eating every, like eating like a king. There's only so long that they can watch that on the sidelines yeah, without and, acting on it. And here's a good example. Um, so we've obviously just had the, the tornado coming through the Gold Coast. And uh, I've had two conversations already, completely unrelated, about people looting houses. Because obviously, we, there's certain areas that have had power out for three or four days. So people were scoping these houses out and breaking into them when they knew that people were away. Because if you make the economy shit and you turn people into desperation, they turn into animals. And um, I, I, can't, I can't remember if it's the... Uh... Anyway, sorry. I, I was just going to say, it, if you want to see what human nature really is all about... Uh, try going without eating for three days and see what sort of animal you turn into. Oh, sorry. So getting back to the anti-human thing, the climate crisis is exactly the same. You, you're being sold that we need to do this green energy transition because otherwise the world's going to go into global boiling and we're not going to have a future for our children, which is not backed up by any actual scientific data the whole hockey stick heat thing only goes back for X amount of years. It, all the... Um, Are you the, segwaying right now? No, I'm not segwaying. I'm staying on the same thing. But uh, but we can after this if you want. Yeah. Um, so all of those, like the Arctic ice cores show many periods in our history where we have been far hotter than what we are now. Like all, But all of that climate alarmism is making us make decisions to get rid of cheap reliable baseload power from coal-fired power stations and transition to all these renewable energies which are just not going to work 
and at least not well like i want to add them into the grid cool i don't want to fucking bulldoze hectares of trees to put solar panels and wind farms in and pretend i'm being environmentally friendly that's bullshit and all it is doing is pushing up the cost of power and guess who that affects alex the poorest people in our communities but also what it also does it, for all of the caring people who came to clear, claim to care about poor people you're literally saying i want poor people to die for some potential uh benefit to the climate in the future that's what you're saying because the only way the west and we get to experience a prosperous um first class lifestyle in a beautiful western country like australia the only way we got here was through the benefits of fossil fuels so if we we then as the west then go out and say hey we all need to stop using fossil fuels like we're already we're already prosperous all you third world nations who aren't prosperous yet you've got to all stop using fossil fuels as well well that means that you're basically saying you you want them to stay as the third world forever and people just won't do that but um but the, the craziest thing though is that they're not asking them to do that and yet you cannot achieve the goals that the west wants without the east doing their bit which they've already yeah. said that they're not doing that's right so it's, re- it's redundant yeah so but that's a nice segue because okay. that came from models right yeah they say climate models show that the world's going to melt or burn or somewhere in between right yes which gets us on back back to the tornado that ripped through the gold coast mm-hmm. um bureau of meteorology faces shake up over unforgivable dud forecasts and alerts yeah i'll read this Federal Emergency Management Minister Murray Watt, who I hate, by the way, (laughs) he's a loser, uh, has vowed to close the gaps in weather warning systems following criticism of the Bureau of Meteorology. The Bureau has been copying criticism for its forecasting and weather warning systems following ex-tropical cyclone Jasper in Queensland's far north and the Christmas Day storms that lashed the state's southeast. When Jasper made landfall, residents of the Cairns suburb of Holloway's Beach reported only Uh, receiving major flood warnings after already being isolated while on the gold coast one of the hardest hit regions in southeast queensland mayor tom tate said it was unforgivable that a weather warning went out to residents after christmas day storms had already passed through mr watt said he tasked the national emergency management agency with bringing the bureau state governments and councils together to find out where warning processes may be lacking in quotes it might be that the Bureau need to provide clearer information than they are. It might be councils need more training about how to recognise the signals and translate that information from the Bureau into text messages, he said. Wherever the gaps are, I am keen to resolve them because we want to make sure people are receiving the most accurate, reliable information. Mr. Watt said climate change is having an impact on the weather and the science being used to predict and alert people. So, next subject says, climate change blamed for errors. In quotes, the models we have traditionally used are having to change because the climate is changing, he said. Now, hold on. (laughs) Hold on. (sighs) Don't the models just... So, so surely these are the models that are showing you that the weather is becoming more severe, apparently, right? According to their thing. Yes. So, you, you shouldn't have to change the model to show the more severe storms. The modelling should just be showing you more severe storms. But no, that's not, even, that's not even the bit what I got. I got, no, you changed the models before and these new models that say all the bad shit don't predict the fucking weather. <laughs> yeah, either way, it's fucking stupid. Anyway, 
Um, this is something I know the Bureau is working hard on, but unfortunately the reality is climate change means we will live through more unpredictable weather. Okay, no, uh, no we have to stop you. We have to we stop do, you. We do, we do, we do. We have to stop you. You go because first. Because what they are saying is we don't fucking know what the weather's going to do tomorrow because of climate change. We don't know. Yeah. But it's not that they don't know. It's that their models don't show them mm -hmm. because the models that they've been told to make to push an agenda won't show the reality of what our planet is going through. Yep. Agreed. Do you know what else they're saying? What? They're saying, uh, due to climate change, uh, the we we need to change the systems and the models that we use because climate change is changing the weather. And on the same breath, they're saying, we need to rely on the weather for all of our power. So we're, we're telling you, we're telling you that the weather is more severe and unpredictable, but we need to rely on the sun and the wind to power the state. Well, yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a Yahtzee moment right there. That is the equivalent of, like I said, uh, of when during COVID with the vaccine rollout, when they had to tell the two jabbers that they don't work, so you had to take the extra jab, and the no jabbers that the two jabs work, so you take the two jabs. <laughs> like yeah. it's it's just that. You know, um, it's doublespeak. It's complete doublespeak. Um, anyway, we don't need to read that article because Stephen Miles just goes on to say more bullshit about how climate change is making their models. Uh, we did get a question, just changing because we've done it, error. Just, we got a question Oh, about... before, sorry, before we move on uh, from the storm, just want to give people an update on the ute. Turbo's blown. It is a $3,200 fix. <laughs> so that's right. my, that's my start to 2024. Yeah. And did you receive any donations when we when we sleep? I received no donations so far, but I appreciate the good thoughts and prayers that I did receive. So Okay, I... fuck your prayers and fuck your thoughts. Send Jason some money. Just send your cash. <laughs> Just send no send him send some crypto. No, that, um, that was the George Bush statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People want to send blankets and food. Just send your cash. Uh we got asked about there was a story that was very like it was pretty hush hush, which was uh, that Hamas, basically the second in command of Hamas, got assassinated. Mm. Which sounds like a good thing until you find out that he was assassinated in Lebanon, which is not Gaza, which is not Israel, which is not Palestine. It's, it's not a completely Qatar different either. country. It's a country that. There's kind of an unwritten rule, right? Well, I think it is actually written. It's a very much written rule, mm. which is governments can't run ops and kill people in someone else's country. Yeah. That's kind of a thing. And that's the context that you need to think of about this story through. If someone from a foreign country, was, like a foreign national was in our country and was assassinated on our soil, how would we feel about that and how would our government respond to that? Yeah. So, they Lebanon, the like the the uh, their envoy from Lebanon's like, hey, we we don't want anything to do with this. Yeah. Like, it's not right what what what, the, what you did. Lebanon does not want to get into the war. Yeah, because you've already got because I think Hezbollah is in has a presence in Lebanon. Yeah, Hezbollah is in Iran. Mm -hmm. Iran is funding Hamas. Yep. Yeah. America hates Iran. 
America wants to go to war with Iran. Don't forget too that America just unfroze six billion dollars to Iran before October seven. Prior to it, yep, yep. And then it looks like Iran uh, paid for the Hamas attack on Israel. Mm-hmm. It's a mess, and like Lebanon is like the first time I've ever seen someone like, whoa, 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 chill, fuck out, yeah. <laughs> like, mm. uh, um, uh, well, uh, we don't want anything to do with this. It shocks me that it's been quiet that no one's talking about it. That's shocking to me because I thought they would see that as a big win, but I think it's what you said at the start when we were talking about it, where public sentiment to war stuff is nowhere near as popular as what it once was. Yeah. Um, and the fact that people know the rules now, they can ask Siri to tell, "Hey, is it a war crime to go and you know to murder someone in a different country?" And oh, then yes, Siri will come is. back and go, "It seems like you're trying to get some information about war crimes. Yeah. It is important to to uh, think of not of." I have criminals. it here. I have it here. It is important to approach this topic with sensitivity and to avoid perpetuating harmful stereotypes or stigmatizations. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, but so to answer your question, uh, and thanks for the question. Thanks for. Uh, uh, we now, I tried to find more information about it. It was very difficult, mm. primarily because, and I reckon this is like a little bit of an op. You've got two extreme ends. You've got the uh, Israeli side mm. and the and the pro-Palestinian side. Not, I wouldn't say necessarily say a Hamas side, but a pro-Palestinian side. Yeah. So freaking active on socials that they're just burying everything in the news. It's like, yeah, so yeah. a news article comes out and it's like, well, here's my view of it, here's my view of it, and it's just like, bang, 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 right. bang, bang. So a story that's a day old has 300 um, counterpoints. It, it's really, really complicated. You right? Yeah. It's a cool. drone strike. Just, yeah. Uh, hashtag mosquitoes are fake. Yeah. Sorry, I'm going to flip back to the storm because I yeah. heard something interesting. Before you do, because there's something that I do want to get out here as well. Um, in answer to the question, because the question was, all right, Hamas leader got assassinated, what happens next? My my initial thoughts are, I don't think it really matters uh, in regards to the Hamas-Israel uh, conflict, because I think that you just cut the head off and someone else will take over, and you'll also end up just further radicalizing more people. So Hamas will recruit some new members, yeah. uh, because that's generally what happens when these things occur. Um and now yeah. Lebs are going to be pissed too. Yeah, and everyone knows how pissed off some Lebos can get. How's those versus authority? <laughs> um, but the uh, there's another story, and again, I, I'm going to apologise because geopolitics, I'm not I'm not as good on because geography is not my strong suit at all. Yeah. And there's another story that you it's very relevant to this, which I I'm going to butcher, but essentially. Have you heard anything about the um, kind of like what's happening around the Red Sea at the moment Mm -hmm. and essentially the shipping lanes and control of the shipping lanes? Mm -hmm. So if I if I understand any of this stuff correctly at all and forgive me, uh, politics nerds, if I get this wrong, but essentially there's shipping lanes through the Red Sea, which are very lucrative commercial shipping lanes, which are primarily owned by Egypt and uh, people have to pay alright you're going to bring up a map here which is going to be great because I don't even know really what I'm referring to no I know I know. okay I'll, you I'll know go. perfect um, so Egypt controls these shipping lanes and, Suez Canal. and they're very important and they make billions and billions of dollars a year billion dollars a year they make just from this and what uh, what it is it is a shipping lane 
that connects uh, the Mediterranean Sea. Perfect. So instead of ships having to go from Europe around Africa, mm-hmm. right, to get to um, India, China, Australia, Singapore, they can cut straight through the Suez Canal. Um, look, they, they've plumbed it in here. Yeah. There's a perfectly built shipping lane through here. Yeah, and if you guys remember, um, was it uh, last year or the year before, there was a ship that... Uh, that became stranded in the middle of that canal, yep. right? And everyone was talking about that. Now, if you just scroll slightly to the right, so you'll see that to, just to the right here, we do have obviously Israel. And there is, there's been a lot of conspiratorial talk about the fact that there are plans to create a new shipping lane literally through Gaza. And you can kind of see there's already a natural built one here. Mm. Like it's half done naturally. Yeah. Uh, it's it comes up from what is that the Sinai? It goes so the, it's called the Gulf of Aqaba, and it goes all the way to the bottom tip of Israel. Yeah, uh, and shares a, a border with Amman. And if you just dug a little bit more, you could put another. You could basically get if you get to the ocean from the tip of Israel. Yep. to the like tip like i mean you could go straight to tel aviv i guess or, or through gaza would be the cheapest way right mm-hmm. right um then you've got another shipping lane therefore you, there's four billion bucks worth of revenue there yeah yeah so and also control too and, and that's the big one it is it's probably more about control than money um but yeah so that is also one of the theories behind what's really the real cause of israel trying to essentially flatten gaza it's like hey there's nothing here anymore since we bombed it let's just dig a big hole through it um but if you go back down to the red sea thing too there's a story going on at the moment about how essentially um one of it's not it's not hezbollah it's one of the other um the houthis the houthis attacking ships in the red sea yeah right and there is um a bit of a conversation going between nations at the moment about who is um protecting the ships in the red sea and they're sort of creating this like uh neighborhood watch so to speak of different nations which are coming together to then go we're going to police the red sea what's interesting though is that none of the nations who have chosen to be in this neighborhood watch are actually bordering the red sea at all right so it's like the US, for example, which is a very big part of it. I think, um, to be honest, I can't remember all the other countries involved, but a lot of the other countries like Egypt, for example, have basically said, we want nothing to do with it. And there's a few other countries that are close by as well going, we don't want to get into some sort of crew with you guys to do this, to do this thing. And a lot of it is about, it's probably similar to what you're saying about the leader of, of Lebanon coming out, uh, after the assassination of the Hamas leader saying, we want no part of this conflict. Like, it's like the US is trying to, like, drag people into different parts of the conflict. And even with the whole uh, um, America's support of Israel, a lot of Americans' traditional allies, like the French and the Italians, for example, have already said, hey, we want nothing to do with this either. So normally they're all in supporting, so like with Ukraine, for example. Come on, man. Yeah. 
well, all these nations in the European Union, they're also funding Ukraine as well. So don't just think about the amount of money that America sent Ukraine. Think about the whole European Union and even to a much lesser extent how much money Australia has sent as well. But um, a lot of those European Union traditional allies of the US are like, we want nothing to do with this Israel shit. Like, we want nothing to do with it. So I just keep being reminded, and this might be very self-indulgent, but I just keep being reminded of that comment I made before the Russia-Ukraine war kicked off where I said the thing that scares me the most about the US is they have known for decades that they are a failing economic power compared to the rise of China. Their economic power is what has given US dominance over the world for as long as they have had it. And without that, the last tool they've got left in the toolkit is just to go to war. And all of a sudden, they're literally either starting or, well, I think they've started all of them, to be frank, but they're either starting or actively promoting wars all over the world. Yeah. And, and well, I can tell you the next one's going to be in Africa. So, there you go. I'm just put it out there. That's, that's Alex's prediction. And I've actually, I've got to give you props too, because you did win our bet. Uh, we had a bet last year that I thought that the uh, Russia-Ukraine conflict would have a peace agreement signed by the end of 2023. And unfortunately, for the oh, world, wow. yes. Alex was correct on that one too. Yeah. Come to Alex for the geopolitics. <laughs> yeah, for the geopolitics. Hey, I, I'm very impressed with your geographical knowledge. That is mm-hmm. uh, that is a very, very uh, impressive yeah. skill set. I YouTube a lot. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you can still learn something on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, guys. On that note, thank you very much for joining us. We'll see you next week. Bye.